everybody, you are listening to the European Student Think Tank podcast. My name is Mandalina. And my name is Annabelle. And today's episode is all about European agriculture and putting European farmers at the center of climate change mitigation policies. Mateus, could you perhaps talk a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Uh, of course, but before that, I would like to thank you, Annabelle and Madalina, for inviting me to the podcast and giving uh, giving a voice to to European farmers. I am one of those. Uh, I am a farmer from northern Poland who is on a mission of putting farmers at the center of climate change mitigation and adaptation efforts in a profitable way for the farmers. This is rooted in in our family farm experience of transitioning from conventional to regenerative agriculture, and now we are uh, creating precisely such transition opportunity for other farms in Poland and more broadly in the EU. On top of that, but building on my first first hand um, farming knowledge, uh, I am involved in global and European processes connected with climate, uh, justice and agriculture, which is my work with the UN Food System Summit, COP26 Race to Zero campaign uh, and the European Union at the European Institute of Technology. Uh, at the same time, and finally, I am also involved in the efforts of Pope Francis uh, to address injustices we see present in our uh, economy globally, also in the, in the EU, uh, as part of the economy of Francesco. Thank you so much for this comprehensive introduction. Let's dive into the field of the European agriculture sector, which has always been extremely relevant to the EU integration as one of the most important pillars. So it is interesting to point out that uh, when it comes to agriculture, it used to be one of the most far-reaching common policies that budget-wise has made room for a vast amount of other policies, um, of course, today. Can you shine light on why this specific agricultural-related topic is relevant when talking about the European Union policies? Let me answer this question by firstly looking back and secondly looking forward. It is indeed true that the common agriculture policy is a very important part of the budget of the EU, although the percentage of the EU budget spent on common agriculture policy has been decreasing over over the years. It it was and it remains the key expenditure uh, within the EU budget. Why that is the case? We all can go back to the Second World War, which led to tremendous negative consequences, one of which being people going hungry. And even after they started having access to food after the war, there was food insecurity, right? We, we weren't sure that um, our people, the Europeans, had enough food. So when the EU or what now is the EU um, started forming, one of the key priorities was to ensure food sufficiency and sovereignty, those two objectives, very important. And this is where we are right now. The common agriculture policy has delivered on those objectives, I'm happy to say. However, because they were so focused on food sovereignty and producing enough food, they were achieved with what we now are seeing as unintended consequences, mainly the environmental ones. We have degraded our environment while growing food and uh, delivering on that singular objective. Therefore, With the net zero goal of the EU and also being aware of the planetary boundaries and sustainable development goals, we have to transition our food system to a new reality in which we are net zero and nature positive and CAP can and should and I hope will be the key element in achieving 
this reality, this, this, this positive future. For that, in order to make this happen, the EU has instituted two strategies under the New Green Deal, uh, which are guiding uh, the shape of the, of the next common agriculture policies. Those, those strategies are farm to fork and biodiversity strategies. And from my perspective, in, like informed by the exchange I have with the Commission and other parties involved in that work, I do expect common agriculture policy to be moving from uh, action-based payments to result-based payments. Action-based payments are, 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 are actions for doing or not doing something. You do it, you get paid, you stop do some, doing something, you get paid for that. Result-based payments are, once again, encouraging you to do something or not do something, but you are being rewarded for the result it brings. So, for example, additional carbon being sequestered in your soils. And in the next stage of CAP 2020-2027, I do expect to see hybrid model of um, action-based payments with first uh, iterations, first pilots of those result-based payments, which hopefully will be scaled up uh, post-2027 in the next programming period of the the EU budget. Uh, And the CAP will put us firmly on the um, on the path to net zero and nature positive future in line with the SDGs, in line with planetary boundaries, because it has to. Like if we are not approaching um, those goals by including CAP, we will not win. Uh, we will not achieve those goals. Thank you for explaining, Mateus, the origin of the CAP and also the goals of the CAP of the future. Um, let's focus on one of the things you mentioned on the zero emissions by 2050 that really seems like a very significant effort that should be put in. Things like uh, regenerative agriculture definitely sound like a progressive way to get in a direction effectively. So actually, let's, uh, let us explore the possibilities of this system. And can you explain to us uh, what this entails? Yes, indeed. We, we have to change a lot, like, like getting to net zero by 2050 is is a profound change uh, and as we have said regenerative agriculture uh, is one of the key levers to get there to get our farmers and our landscape aligned with that ambition of net zero by 2050 in nature positive way and uh, to me uh, talking about regenerative agriculture really starts uh, with a broader conversation which is talking about regenerative mindset which at the very, very minimum, is about not going against the cycles of nature. And when it comes to agriculture and ecosystems as such, there are multiple cycles of nature, just to name a few, carbon cycle, water cycle, biodiversity cycle, energy cycle. So at the very, very least, regenerative farmer is not going against those cycles. But regenerative mindset is not a zero-sum game. It is a, a net positive uh, game or, 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 or play in which our farmer is farming in a way which is, which is providing more, which is enhancing those, those, those cycles, multiple cycles that we have talked about. And so when we try to understand regenerative agriculture, we have to think about those two elements which, which we have already uh, outlined which are restoration, which are the actions that farmers is the farmer is actually actively taking, and regeneration, when the nature takes over 
and delivers on its ecosystem services. To dwell a little bit more on what farmer can actually do in order to get aligned with the cycles of nature and then let nature enhance those. There are five key practices of restoration. The first one is optimization of inputs, seeds, fertilizers, and crop protection inputs. The second one is minimizing soil disturbance with stopping plowing. Plowing is a practice of turning soil 180 degrees around, which is uh, disturbing and sometimes destroying life in that soil. Practice number three of restoration is keeping the ground cover all year round with living roots in the soil so that this, this soil life, which we have just talked about, is being enhanced and maintained through this particular practice. Practice number three is uh, maximizing biodiversity, understood as within field biodiversity, around field biodiversity, and whole landscape-wide biodiversity, the wider ecosystem biodiversity. And final practice, uh, number five of restoration, is site-specific design. So designing our farm in a way which uh, takes our landscape into account and in particular enhances our water cycle, but through that impacts in a positive sense, once again, every other single uh, cycle of nature. Thank you for this comprehensive answer. Regenerative agriculture seems indeed like a really complex topic. And uh, thank you for explaining to us and to the listeners how we can um, do eco-friendly agriculture, especially nowadays. Uh, when it comes to farming instead, how should the sector be revolutionized? What would be a way to make it more sustainable, but at the European Union level and maybe at the global level, why not? Yes, and um, I have similar uh, ambition of revolutionizing agriculture at the EU and global levels. Somebody wise uh, once told me, somebody wise from, from the sector once told me that agriculture is simultaneously global because of the markets and the prices, but at the same time, extremely local. And this is how I would like to think about, about this question of revolution. As you, Madalina, have mentioned, this uh, topic of, of regeneration and nature-positive farming and ecosystems is a complex one, just like we have discussed uh, a few seconds ago. There are many moving pieces in there. And what we need the most with going from where are we right now to going where we could and should be going is a knowledge transfer from centers of knowledge, which are relatively few when it comes to regenerative agriculture in the EU, to the farmers, so that regenerative agriculture is being understood and implemented at the farmer level, because revolution in agriculture cannot happen at a global level, and that's it, like, it will not happen at a global level. Revolution in agriculture at a global level will be consequence of millions of farmers taking small but compoundly extremely profound uh, decisions which are getting us better aligned with nature. And for that to happen, we need two things. We need very good extension so that this knowledge is delivered to the farmers so that they can take action after understanding it. And we need the right policies to support uh, our decision-making and providing us with incentives 
sorry, like result-based payments, which we talked about before, uh, to go towards regenerative agriculture and scale it. Um, you mentioned also earlier that you are also a member of the Farmo Francesco and the Race to Zero campaign. Um, can you maybe tell us a little bit more about uh, what they are about and how they are helping the goals set by the European Union and perhaps the international arena towards sustainable development and the fight to climate change? We, we, we remain in the topic of revolutions, which start at the grassroots level. Uh, so Farmo Francesco and the Race to Zero campaign. Let me, uh, let me start with talking more about the Farmo Francesco, which is an initiative born out of the economy of Francesco, which is a, a community of young people from all over the world who have replied to Pope Francis' invitation to come together and identify injustices present in, in our communities. However, the call of Pope Francis didn't end there, right? It's not only about knowing what is not wrong, it's extremely important to take action in order to address those injustices. And this is precisely what a group of 15 young people uh, who came together in May 2020, they've answered the, 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 the Pope Francis call to address injustices present in agricultural sector specifically. Um, and uh, that group, which I am part of, uh, which now, um, is working on the concept of the farm of Francesco being implemented in Nigeria and Brazil, uh, has uh, listed as the first step all the challenges, all the injustices that we have experienced or are experiencing in, in global uh, agriculture and food systems. Then in a democratic process, we have identified the key challenge that we would like to focus on as a group, which was the generation of soil and rural ecosystems. And when when that process has been completed in September last year, uh, we have created a model to move a needle on this issue, on this injustice, which in our case is um, our um, regenerative demo farms with vocational education model on top of those, as said before, being implemented in Nigeria and Brazil. Moving on to Race to Zero campaign and COP26, which the Race to Zero campaign is an element of, a supporting element of. And COP stands for Conference of the Parties to the United Nations Framework Convention of Climate Change. This Conference of the Parties will be meeting for the 26th time this, uh, this year in November in Glasgow. Um, and this meeting is the highest level international body leading global discourse on climate change. And let's understand what COP is and how it works. Let's think about it as two separate camps. Camp number one are the member states or the nation states who are the parties in the convention and signatories of the documents agreed during COPs, such as the famous Paris Agreement. The second group, the second camp is everyone else, businesses, cities, investors, regions, universities. This group, the second group, quote unquote, every, everyone else, is led by the high-level champions who are nominated by the country which hosted COP last year and the current host. So right now, those high-level champions are Gonzalo Munoz from Chile and Nigel Topping from the UK. The objective of climate champions and the team supporting them, which I, which I am part of, is to mobilize everyone else to buy into the Paris Agreement so that we can reach net zero by 2050 at the very latest. However, um, as we have discussed before in this, in this podcast, net zero in itself, which is the objective of the Race to Zero campaign, is not enough. That's why 
the second campaign, sister campaign called Race to Resilience was launched so that we achieve net zero in a resilient or nature positive way. But the champions are also aware that those two um, ambitions cannot be realized unless we uh, mobilize finance to stand behind us and transition financial flows. That's why the third campaign, Race to Trillions, uh, was, was also launched. These initiatives indeed sound very promising, and thank you um, for explaining. I was just wondering to those who are listening and are not necessarily involved or familiar with agriculture, um, what are ways to get involved or learn more about these issues? Great question. Uh, and there are opportunities for both if you are inspired uh, to do that, to learn more and very much, which I would encourage you to do, uh, be part of. This uh, platform for, for action, for discussion, for dialogue, for engagement is called the UN United Nations Food Systems Summit, which has been convened or is being convened by uh, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres uh, in September um, this year in, in New York. Uh, the, the the summit as such will be followed by uh, will be sorry will be preceded by a pre-summit which is scheduled for uh, July this year uh, to be happening in Rome. But extremely important part of uh, the food system summit framework and proceedings are the dialogues, uh, which can be divided into national dialogues convened by the member states and independent dialogues convened by everyone who wants to convene one, either an individual or an organization. And I'm happy to say I have convened my first dialogue earlier this week, and I have participated in, in many others as uh, either somebody who's helping to create such a dialogue or, or simply participates in the discussion. So I really encourage you to get connected, uh, get active within the UN Food System Summit uh, framework, participate in a dialogue uh, as a starter, uh, whatever your voice is, whether you are a student, um, uh, whether you are already working, whether you know a lot about food and agriculture, or you know very little, like you are needed in that discussion because your voice matters. And that's the nature of the democratic process. So I really encourage you to get engaged with the dialogues and maybe in the other um, elements of, of, of the summit framework. But let's start with the dialogue. Let me end on that invitation. Thank you, Mateos, for um, sharing insights into the future of sustainable farming. And we'll definitely watch the current and future developments with, uh, with interest. Thank you for sharing your ideas. Uh, thank you, Annabelle. Thank you, Madalina. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in, in one of the UN Food System Summit dialogues. Thank you also for the listeners. Check out our website for more content and for comments or feedback, drop us an email at broadcast.estfaintech.com. See you next time.